0: What's up everyone, it's been a few weeks since I've done an episode, but here I am on my walk of day 67 of 75 Hard. And basically, I'm listening to a crypto podcast, so if you're not into crypto, that's fine. Um, I know this is a real estate podcast, but I'm sitting here thinking, and I kind of want to elaborate on the bird strategy. So, for all of you who don't know, the birth strategy is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and you take the money out and you put it back in another property. And then repeat if you want to tack another R onto it. Okay? So, basically, if you buy a property, let's just say, you know, you buy a $200,000 property and you put... 20% down so you're at $40,000 for that and you rehab the property okay so let's say you spend another I don't know $50,000 to renovate that property let's say it's a duplex okay so like 25000 per side will get you a lot and now let's say that the rents you were able to charge on both of those sides before were like $1,000 and now because you renovated it now you can charge maybe 1500 um and those swings you know do occur um, so anyway you've been able to raise the rent 30 percent, 33 just by doing those renovations and so that's going to really help your cash flow you probably would have just taken the cap rate from something like six to maybe like an eight so with that being said, now it's just a matter of actually getting the tenant in there and then also taking that lease making sure that you know that tenant's happy and that they want to stay there for as long as possible and you know that you're able to work in rent increases and stuff like that, but you know, making sure that they have a good experience because at the end of the day it is a business. So make sure your customers are happy. Um, and then you refinance, and you refinance. However, when you bought the property, let's say five months ago, before you renovated it and got a tenant in there, and your all-in cost is 250, let's say the house appraises for 300,000 now. Okay, well now you just got a big equity boost, and the um, amount of rent that you got in there helps too. So debt service coverage ratio is going to be better so you can really pull a lot of money out from doing that and then you just keep putting that in another property putting another property no another one another one and that right there is what's called the birth strategy now on larger commercial multifamily properties like let's just say the 60 unit okay has a really big value-add opportunity let's say The roofs are done, the floors are done, but the cabinets aren't done. There's no stainless steel appliances. There's still some electric work that needs to be done. There's a building to add another 25 units to the property. Um, And there's no in-unit laundry. There's no central AC. Okay, So you have all of those things that you can do to add value to that property. And on a large scale, let's just say that instead of You know, working with two hundred thousand, putting fifty thousand in refinancing, get three hundred thousand. This time, we are going to be buying that property at say twenty million, Um, and then you put in five million in renovations, and then when you refinance you refinance maybe two years later and now you're also getting a little bit of a, of a appreciation there, hopefully, usually around, you know, 4%, something like that. Um, you know, that is basically the difference of like, I don't know, six, 7 million, something like that, um, that you're, Pulling out in the equity and you're able to put it in something else and something else and something else, all the while still having those tenants, customers basically, paying off that mortgage. Paying off that mortgage. So, anyway, now that you've got that established, let's say that whole process to get up to a thousand units takes 10 years, right? which really means that you need to buy a thousand units in eight years because the last two years to restabilize and get ready for the next phase. So then um, let's just say you got a thousand doors in 10 years and let's say that you never, ever sell a property and every single one of them is cash flowing. At like an eight and a half percent cap rate okay so now that you got all that money and you know you've got a ton of doors now what do you do well in my mind the top three assets out there are number one real estate number two crypto number three gold and silver two out of the three are physical tangible assets what they all have in common is that more or less they're finite now you can go build more property you can go do all that other stuff but they're not making more land there's not more trees to go around so I mean there are if you grow them but yeah that takes like however many years um sustainability is a whole nother you know discussion but basically if as you're going throughout this process and hopefully it doesn't take 10 years to get some birth properties going because the crypto markets moves at the speed of light so this is something that ultimately if you have some properties cash flow now you should maybe look into and setting all of those deposits up in direct deposit and you know you have say like five accounts and as soon as rent hits boom okay all of the vendors get paid what I mean by vendors I mean the property manager I mean any you know capital expenditure folks that had to go in there and do anything um, so they all get paid so vendors boom you get paid taxes on the property Oh, that gets paid. Um, And I guess vendors, you wrap that all in with expenses. So expenses—that's all—that's all all one thing. Property management, you know, that is an expense, but it's kind of a bigger, separate one. And then you have the money that is the owner benefit. That is the NOI minus CapEx equals cash flow. So now you're, we're really talking about the cash flow here and uh, what the owners can expect to make off of that. So let's just say that you're taking that capital and you have that set up on direct deposit and that is purchasing. Let's just say you got 100 grand coming in a month Okay, just for nice round numbers and You were to take 25% of that and put that into crypto investing so You're buying all these projects and Then you take another Say 15% and you're buying precious metals And then you take, say, 35%, and you're putting that into raw land, farmland, buying industrial, triple net properties, stuff like that, rolling that back into more property. Um, And then the rest of it, it's always good to have a little bit. And cash reserves, always good to have that money. It's something that's a little bit more stable. Um, and then the rest is living expenses and things like that. But always keep your living expenses in check. But I really do think that this is more or less a really big fund idea where... You buy a bunch of property, you take the cash flow from that property and you put that into crypto and you put that into gold and you actively manage the crypto. Um, you really can't actively manage gold and silver. So, you basically, you know, just keep stacking that. And then eventually when It might be time to liquidate your gold and silver you find a really big industrial user that needs it for mass production of let's say solar panels or satellites or who knows what and then while you're doing this you can vertically integrate you know, what you're doing. So that way you're getting more margin back. So you start a property management company to manage all of your own rentals. And now you're getting back 7% of your gross rent, you know, on the smaller multifamilies, you know, maybe 8%, maybe nine, maybe 9%. Um, But Of course, if you're doing short term rentals, it's much higher, but, that's not what we're focused on short-term rentals would be more so of happenstance if we could do it then why not but that's not something we would even dabble in until after we've got a uh, long term in place because that's always going to be plan A it's more hands-off than anything so you're good there um, and Also, really like an industrial because you sign a you know 10 year, 15 year lease or something like that with built in rent escalations, and you know you're set really. Uh, That loan will be paid off more or less, and as long as your costs are mitigated. You know, you don't have to deal with the tenant as much. There's not so much of the tenants, termites and toilets things as you get otherwise. So industrial is also another really great, great market that we want to look at. So, however, with the whole Amazon effect going on, um, you know, they're saying that industrial is new retail um, and that they're just storing all the stuff that people are buying uh, in these giant warehouses rather than people going to store and that's why a lot of these retail locations are getting shut down but um, that being said smaller industrial stuff where people run businesses out of and whatnot you know industrial parks those are also very very important to the economy, small businesses, things like that. And I'm all for lifting up the community. I want other people to win. I want to win. And I won't stop until I do. But I want to lift other people up with me. When I reach the top, I want to see them succeed. So I really wanna build a great team that I can accomplish some of this with because quite frankly, I'm tired of sitting and looking around and I'm working my butt off and I'm seeing all these deals and doing all the underrating and I've got buyers, they're all sitting on their hands and, you know, they're just not willing to put the work in to make it happen and You know what that means is like, I've been sitting around waiting for something to happen too, then I guess, because at the end of the day, I take 100% accountability for my success and I don't blame anybody else. I have a vision for how I want things to be and I'm setting clear, defined goals on how to get there. And, you know, thanks to Andy Fursella and his five critical task lists, which is like the most simple thing that you could possibly do when it's really just a matter of having a compressed, you know, planner with you. It's just five things every single day that you gotta do. And as long as you do them, you won the day. Boom. Like, I don't really think that that's too crazy. Um, But regardless, when you get those things done, you feel great. And when you get that, when you get those done, with all the other things you gotta do, you know, all throughout this process, the last two and a half months, I've worked out twice a day, every single day, one of them outdoors, even in a hurricane. And I drank a gallon of water every single day, every day, not an ounce less. I read like three books, maybe four. I finished one I was already reading. And then I read three more books on top of it. I just finished uh, the other one today. And I took a bunch of progress pictures. As far as diet goes, my diet could have been better. I basically cut out sugary drinks, I limited the amount of bread that I ate. Um, I limited fried food. I didn't eat any fried food. And I didn't have any of the sugary drinks. No soda. And as far as my eating habits otherwise, I made sure to eat more protein. I made sure to do all of these things. And as I was reading Redefine Impossible, I noticed that James Lawrence had to eat 10 to 12,000 calories a day just to keep going. How crazy is that? And when he told other people that he wanted food, he didn't refer to it as food. He referred to it as fuel. And it's the same thing with your body. It's the same thing with your mind. Making sure that you're your sharpest and best self. And for me, I want to be sure that I'm my sharpest, highest, and best self so that way I attract other like-minded people to my group, to my core circle of friends, that we build something great together, that we recognize each other's strengths and talents, and we complement those in each other, and from there, we just build a massive company privately and just live long and prosper, you know. And like I used to always say, leave your mark, live your legacy. Probably gonna start bringing that back a little bit more. But the other thing that I really noticed was the importance of building a brand and really having something that people can tie themselves to. Whereas with being a real estate broker, you are the service and you are the product. So if you're gonna be servicing, a ton of customers and clients all at the same time, it's hard for them to associate with you when they're at their house, they're doing all their own stuff. You know, they got their own lives, their own careers, their own financial worries, everything else. They're not really thinking about you. And so what I want to do is create a brand with a product, with something that other people can relate to, because it just doesn't really happen outside of that. And, you know, so much business happens from really who you know than what you know. And people don't know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that was something that was a paradigm shift for me. Um, and something that I continue to implement all the time. And I really do care for other people's investments and how well they perform because that's a direct reflection of me, my expertise, and I look at other people's failures and if that person is in a position that I want to be in or don't want to be in, you know, I take that personally and you're able to propel yourself in a much better position, but anyway... That's a wrap and see you next episode.